Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com Well, good morning and greetings from Ballarat. Uh, I count it a privilege to have been asked to bring the word this morning. Uh, and I'd like to start by, I know how uh, newsreaders now feel. <laughs> I'd like to start by reading Hebrews 4.12. Don't turn to it, but let me read it to you. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's open in prayer. <clears throat> Father, let your word do its work in each one of us this morning. Let your work work in us, Lord, so that we become more like Jesus himself. Lord, we don't underestimate the power of your word because you spoke and you created. And it's our responsibility to handle and bring it carefully, Lord, with care. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I wish to start by talking briefly about three church experiences, if I can call them that, that Lynn and I have had over the years. We've done a bit of travel and we were in New York once and attended a church service at what was then, I think, called the International Church. It consisted of a grand cathedral that was beautifully appointed. The architecture was magnificent. Everything was well ordered. The uh, theology was sound. It had great music. If I remember correctly, it had wonderful technology. It was right up with everything. <clears throat> On the other hand, at another time, we visited a church in Tanzania and we were camped or uh, domiciled some distance from this particular church. And to get there, we had to walk an hour through the jungle. Uh, it was very hot and dusty, so much so that Lynn ended up, she wanted a shower by the time we arrived at this church. Her legs were co coated in dust and mud, as it were. However, the building, unlike the building in New York, <coughs> was a very humble building. We, as I said, we walked an hour from where we were staying, but that church had an enthusiasm and a joy in it that you don't always find. Even though the language was foreign to us, <coughs> we could understand, we had a feeling that this was something of which we were part. The third experience of church is uh, talking about joining with you folk, <clears throat> excuse me, at King's Way. 
And I think I think I uh, share this feeling with others from Ballarat that ever since we've joined you people in fellowship, we felt at one with you. So it led me to asking and thinking about what is it about the church experiences that we can have from time to time where one is quite different from the other. And I believe it has to do that we are one with each other. Yes, the buildings might be fine, the music might be fine, the technology might be the greatest, but sometimes that oneness is lacking. So what I want to do this morning is briefly, and it's only brief, it's not exhaustive, and I'm speaking to myself as well as to the rest of you, I want to flesh out and have a look at what is it about this body of Christ and what is it about being a member of the body of Christ that makes it so individual and so unique. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. We'll start with that. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let's use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's have another look, another look at verses 4 and 5 in that passage out of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses, verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. There are two words that recur in both of those verses, both, both verses four and five, and they are body, the word body, and the word members. And I want to focus briefly <clears throat> on those two words and what it means or what they mean to each one of us. First of all, the word body. Body. The Greek word used for body in that particular passage is the word soma. And it has several meanings. They are, it can be a body of a man or an animal. It can be used of a group of people who are closely united into a society or family. The same word soma we find in Matthew 6, 22. Let me read that to you. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Again, in Colossians 1, verse 18, and he, meaning Christ, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, if we're part of a living body and not a part of a dead body, there are three, at least three dynamics that we can find at work. And they are, firstly, the body will grow and mature over time. Secondly, the body will change. And thirdly, 
very importantly, that body will need feeding. Let's look at the first of those three dynamics, growing or maturing as a body. Turn to Ephesians 4, verses 14 to 15. We'll look at that. Ephesians 4, verses 14 to 15. That we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Let me read that to you again. It's most important. Ephesians 4 verses 14 to 15, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. There are a couple of warnings given in that uh, brief passage. One is that we're expected to grow. We're to move from infancy to adulthood. We're not to stand still and grow fat. We are learned to run. We are learned to learn to run and not crawl. And we must take care to allow Jesus to build his church, as he promised in Matthew 5, where he said, I will build my church. We can't do it in our own strength and wisdom. Of course, as we learn to grow and mature in the Lord, there'll be influences that will take us off course if we're not on guard. How do we make sure that we are on guard? We must learn to read and study and meditate and apply the word of the Lord. And of course, this requires discipline and commitment and dedication. Another warning given in verse 15 of that particular passage is that we are to speak the truth in love. We must speak each other the truth in love. We must be gentle, firm, loving and caring concerning for the other. We are warned against being contentious. And as we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5, we are to be at peace among ourselves. And that sometimes is a difficult thing to achieve, speaking to each other in peace and in love. And of course, as we grow and mature, as, as a growing child would experience, there are growing pains. And I main, I've maintained, <coughs> excuse me, I've maintained for quite some time that is, if we're growing on with the Lord, if we're growing up with him and allowing him to change us into the likeness of Jesus himself, there's always going to be a tension there. We're going to move from one point to the next point as he leads us on in our growing. Sometimes God has to move us out of our comfort zones into another area or stage of our growth. And of course, we must expect times of discomfort and we must always guard against being fat and comfortable. It's at these times that we realise that God is stretching us and we can be encouraged by Hebrews where it says that if things are getting painful and trying, we can ask God for his mercy and find his grace in our time of need. The second dynamic after growing and maturing is that of change. And if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us like to change? How many of us like to move out of our comfort zones into something that's quite different? How many of us like to be challenged and realize that God is moving us onto something different and quite altogether challenging? 
Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And I think this is quite challenging and at the same time quite comforting. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or changed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Question. What is the agent of change? Is it our strength? Is it our wisdom? No, it's the Holy Spirit. And that change occurs because it's attempt, God is attempting to sanctify us, to set us apart, to be used by him in the building of Christ's kingdom. What does it tell us about <clears throat> being changed? We're being changed into the likeness of Jesus himself from glory to glory. Thirdly, any growing body, any changing body needs to be fed. And of course, that begs the question on what sort of food should we be feeding this body of Christ? Now, I know naturally um, we can be tempted to feed on the stuff that is not really beneficial to us. Chocolate and raisin bars are my favourite. Or that warm scone, jam and cream can be quite tempting. However, we need to feed ourselves on the right sort of food. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. <clears throat> Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, there's a distinction in that passage between milk and solid food. It reminds us that at times we are to be taught again the first principles or oracles of God. And the New, New English, New International Version, rather, talks about the elementary truths of God's word. These are the things that we need occasionally to be reminded of. We need to move from milk to solid food. And in so doing, we'll be stretched. But however, we'll be able to better discern truth from error. The enemy is always out there to get us, of course. We all know about that. And that started in the, uh, in the Garden of Eden when the enemy set out to tempt Adam and Eve. Let's look at the results of dining on solid spiritual food. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Probably a passage that we all know well. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Let's look at this solid food of which we should partake. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And of course, it's from scripture that we learn of true doctrine. We'll be corrected. As we read on, we'll be set right. We'll be put back on course. And uh, whether we like it or not, there will be times when we'll be reproved, rebuked or censured. 
and we receive instruction in righteous living. Now, those processes can be painful. Why? So the godly people are complete. There's no second best. There are, we are thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's nothing half-hearted about those particular verses. Let me read them again to you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Not half complete, may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we can throw away all of those successful living books and courses that are uh, so prevalent nowadays. And where do we turn? To the Creator's handbook, His Word. Now, having spoken about the body of Christ, let's look briefly at the members that make up the body. Each of us is a member of the body of Christ. John 17 21. Turn to John 17, 21. This is Jesus' prayer for his disciples before he goes to the crucifixion. John 17, 20, 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And again, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may be may believe that you sent me. Here in this passage, Jesus is asking that the same unity existing between him and the Father be found among his followers. There's been a lot of discussion lately and over the years on unity in the church. It's a word that's often misunderstood, I believe. We're not to confuse the word unity with other words such as union, uniformity or unanimity. Much talk that we hear about on unity really means union, that is, churches joining together to form one fellowship. We can have union, but not necessarily unity. We can have uniformity, that is, following the same church service order, for example, but not necessarily being united. We can have unanimity, where everyone is thinking the same way about everything, but not necessarily have that element of union. It was Saab in communion last Sunday who mentioned about becoming part of God's family through the grace of God, not through our own efforts or reputations. That unity, I believe, is the connection of one believer to another through membership of the same family. Unity can't be enforced from outside or externally simply by gathering together. It's uncovered, I believe, from within the body of Christ, something that is revealed, something that comes from within by those of us who truly know without a doubt that they belong to him, that they are part of that family, the body of Christ. And it's that unity, that true unity, that will flow all the way down the line and influences all of our thinking, our decisions and actions. And of course, reminds us of Psalm 133, verse 1. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold, and good, and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And again, in Ephesians 4, 3, Ephesians 4, 3, Paul's exhorting us when he says, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So how important it is to strive for real unity. And we only get that unity by being members of the same family. And as I said before, it's the unity that's brought about by the spirit. We can't manufacture that unity. We can't legislate it. We can't force it upon others. It comes about only as we become part of the body of Jesus. And we are told to maintain or keep the unity. We're not told to make it. That particular verse tells us that we are to maintain or keep the unity that we should have. And because we individually belong to Jesus, we automatically belong to others who belong to Jesus also. Let me mention briefly being members of the body and our place in this body. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 14 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not, member, not one member, but many. And you know it's only God who can achieve that unity and diversity that we find in the body of Christ. We can't do it ourselves. There are some points I want to stress in looking at the members in the body. The first one is that all of us are important. All of us are important. The person who prepares elements for communion is just as important as the person who sets the chairs up for Sunday service who is just as important as the person visiting the lonely person in their home during the week, who is just as important as the preacher bringing the word of a Sunday. And if you wish to read more of that, you can see the remainder of that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 to 27. As well as being important, each one of us is unique. God has made us unique. God has set each of us in our place in the body, and it's, there's no point in emulating or copying somebody else because God has made us unique and he has a unique place for us in that body. And we shouldn't be selling God, selling God short. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't need us to tell what he needs to do with us. And thirdly, we need to allow God to use us. He's equipped us with different skills and abilities, different gifts. Let him use us to become effective in the body of Christ. Now, that's only a very brief overview, if you like, of the body of Christ, its dynamics and the way the members work together. However, I want to stress something that I think it was Sean who said earlier in the service, that it's important we continue to assemble together as a body, as a body of living members, as a body of unique members, meet together at this critical time. Turn to Hebrews 10, 25. And I'm sure we all know this particular verse. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. I know the people in Ballarat are anxious to get together again and meet face to face. There's nothing like being together as one. And I imagine those of you who are listening in 
would feel the same way about gathering together with your brothers and sisters and other members of the body of Christ. And we've all heard of the common illustration where if an ember, a glowing ember, is left alone on the hearth without any other embers around it, it will soon die out. And I think that's the case with us as members of the body of Christ. We need each other. Now, in, uh, in finishing, I want to say, don't take anything that I've said for granted today. Let's all be good Bereans and uh, do as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17, where it says they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Amen. Let's finish with prayer. Father, thank you that we're part of your family, that we're part of a living, growing body. Thank you for all that belonging means to us and to you. Thank you again for your son, Jesus, for without his obedience, love and sacrifice, we would be lost. Father, we ask that you go with us now and we acknowledge your love and presence with each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Peter. We're going to finish off with a well-known song for the church camp people. I love this family of God. <laughs>